Okay, well, I want to tell you what. We're titling this today, Remember Jesus Christ. And we want to be Christ-centered here, and we can't miss it with a text like this, obviously. We are in Second uh, Timothy chapter 2, 8-13. through 13. What we have been saying so far in uh, Timothy, <clears throat> as Paul has been addressing uh, young Timothy, the pastor at Ephesus, uh, who is uh, on the verge of collapsing, maybe, possibly. Maybe uh, kind of giving up some things. Uh, sometimes in our Christian walks, we can almost get to the point of saying, I just give up. I'm just, this is not working for me. This is, this is too hard. And you have a guy like Paul come along and he says, get up, get up, come on, let's run. Let's run. This is a marathon race. Get up. Get up and keep going. Keep going. You can do it. You know, we as Christians, we can indeed suffer affliction and hardship, and that's what Second Timothy is about. It's about the daily uh, life, and it's really about ministry here, as uh, Timothy's in the ministry, but we're all in ministry. We're all to serve. But it's about our Christian lives also. And so we are not to give up when we do have affliction and hardship. It's a, war- it's a truth. It's, a, it's actually a truism. It is a fact. If you are a Christian, you are going to have difficult times. If you're not a Christian, you're going to have more and more difficult times because you have no hope. But if you're a Christian, uh, we, ha- we have that. So he gives pictures in Second uh, Timothy chapter 2. And we've seen some, they're just obvious. They just jump out at you. They're like an easy outline. I love chapter 2 of Timothy because all the notes are right there for you. Uh, the outlines are there. I don't have the outline up here today, and evidently I didn't get it emailed to Zach, but it's okay. You've got it on your bulletin anyway if you want to follow along, if that helps. We have some verses and such there, and kind of the basis idea of what we're, we're heading for. It, it actually tries to keep me in line without chasing rabbits too much. You know what I mean? <laughs> So, you know, he said, like, we have looked at the soldier, for instance. Remember the soldier? Now, the soldier is in conflict. And that's a great picture. We are soldiers, aren't we? Matter of fact, Timothy said, um, uh, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier. We're not just soldiers. We're, we're to be good soldiers. And so he says, suffer hardship with me. And then he gives another picture, and he says, as for the athlete. An athlete is determined... An athlete is one who is going to put forth effort. He's not just going to lay down and then, hey, let the Lord do the work. Um, he does do the work. He does the work, but He does it in us, and so we're to be obedient and do that. And then He gave us a picture of the farmer. Remember that illustration? And the farmer represents hard work. That's what he says. He says hard work. Paul wrote this. I didn't. Hard work. Farmers, yes, they have hard work. But... As they patiently wait, they know that there should be a reward at the end, the harvest, right? So the Christian life, and we've said it many times, is not a hundred-yard dash. It's a marathon. You know, it's not too difficult to run a few hundred yards. A few hundred feet, maybe. But the test comes over the long haul. So a lot of people say they're Christians, and they run that 100-yard dash, man, they're just taking off. How many times have you seen this? Over and over I've seen it. People take off and, man, they are flying. And all of a sudden, boom, they hit reality. Something challenges them and all of a sudden they go, hmm, this Christianity is not what I thought it was. And they drop out. That's it. They're out of the race. Maybe for good. Now the question that we should be asking, will I endure to the finish? We know we're saved by grace. 
And we'll finish by His grace. And we run this race by His grace. But, and we endure by Him. Right? We persevere by Him. But will I endure this to the finish? In the Christian race, will, will I be faithful through all the hardships? Will, will I be faithful to God in this? Even unto death. What did uh, uh, Paul say in this particular epistle right here in the last chapter, in verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. There's our athlete running. Boxing, fighting, wrestling. And then the running. I have kept the faith. He did it. All through the Lord, but yet He was obedient in His own sanctification. So, when God promises that He'll keep His soldiers and His athletes and His hard-working farmers, He says it's not automatic. Here is what I've given you to do. So we are to be disciplined. We are to be fighting hard and engaged in combat. Many were turning against the Apostle Paul. They were dropping out of the race. Because Paul kept was put in prison. He was in jail. Look at all the hardships that he went through. All of a sudden, they didn't want to identify with him anymore. So Paul is exhorting Timothy, who could have gone the same route as some of the other ones who dropped out. Matter of fact, in, in chapter 4, it seems like, hey, this guy left me and this guy left me. And yeah, they all left me. You know? And only one was there. He's calling Timothy to come there. They abandoned the gospel. They abandoned it. So Paul is exhorting Timothy to persevere. That's really what this epistle is about. And in chapter two, it does not change. But he, you know, he's kept it simple. He gives us the illustrations. He's going to give us another illustration today. And of course, who is the supreme example? Jesus Christ. He is the supreme that we look at. And so today, we're going to look at some more illustrations in the person of Christ. And it's really going to be called the motives for enduring. Why do I endure? Why do I have to endure? This is just too much. Why do I have to? Well, here are them. We have motives. Here's the reasons why you want to do this. And so, it gets to the point of uh, as we persevere, we see this illustration that Jesus Christ, the one who died for our sins, lives forever. He died, He was raised, and now He lives. He continues to live. He is the life. And then we also see Him, we are to endure. Timothy is to endure for the elect. And that's in Scripture. I'm not, I'm not reading that in there. You guys know how much I love the doctrine of election. Well, here it is again. It's just there. And I go, oh, great. I love this. Because it's there. We don't avoid it. Third is uh, the picture of faithfulness. Faithfulness. And uh, then the last, that's what that's all about. And, it's the, and, and one of my forgot to mention in there is, is the Word of God. The powerful Word of God. So, what we're going to do is we're all going to stand again as we've been up and down all morning long. It does kind of keep us awake, doesn't it? <sighs> Especially after eating really cool breakfast. Thank you again, Carmen. That was really good. In Second Timothy, chapter 2, verses 8-13. through 13.
Remember Jesus Christ. Risen from the dead. Descendant of David, according to my gospel. For which I suffer hardship, even to imprisonment as a criminal. But the Word of God is not imprisoned. For this reason, I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus, and with it eternal glory. It is a trustworthy statement. For if we died with Him, we will also live with Him. If we endure, we will also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He also will deny us. If we are faithless, He remains faithful, for He cannot deny Himself. Let's pray. Father, thank You. Help us to remember Jesus Christ and help us to glean from this truth. We're we're getting precious words from You. This is not something I wrote. This is not something that uh, is about me or any of us here. It is about the person of Jesus Christ. And if we have our focus on Him this morning, we pray that we would realize that we are actually hearing Your very Word, Lord. Your Word from what we just read. And may it speak to each one of us. Not about our neighbor, not about somebody else, but to us this morning. And may it encourage us to continue on in our walk. In Jesus Christ's name, Amen. Alright, you can be seated. We have motives today here. We have motives to endure. And we go along with these illustrations, these pictures. And uh, he starts off with, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel. So part one here out of these four is about the person of Christ. And when you think of the person of Christ, you think of His deity and you think of His humanity. And that makes up our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's deity. He's humanity. We see a lot in this. And if you back up in one other verse where we left off last week, it makes a lot of sense to us. Especially if you've been for a Christian for a while. Consider what I say. After he gave the pictures of the soldier, the athlete, the farmer. Consider what I say for the Lord will give you what? Understanding. In everything. Now, we may not know all the details, all the depth, the eternality of everything because it's going to take a lifetime and it's going to take eternity for that, is it not? <laughs> but we can understand all those basic doctrines and then the depth that goes with it, we can start understanding that. Isn't that interesting? He says, consider what I said. Consider the Word of God and you can understand these deep spiritual truths. Oh, I'm not that smart. Neither am I. <laughs> I never could in a million years be able to figure this out. But I'll tell you what, the amazing Spirit of God, which every one of us has, we trust in Christ, every one of us has Him, we can understand deep, eternal, spiritual things. Infinite! It's infinite! And it'll take an infinite time. <laughs> Eternity. Isn't that exciting? So keep that in mind. And I think... As we look at verse 8, that gives us a clue. Because everything is connected together in, in Scripture. 
So he says, remember Jesus Christ. He plants him in there. And then after this one, then we'll continue on with other illustrations like uh, the workman, the workman with the word, uh, the vessels, and bond servants. All those are pictures in chapter 2 of how we are to live the Christian life. So the, the, uh, look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3. Well, this ties right along with that same thought. Hebrews 12, 3. By the way, while you're turning there, I want to thank the Lord for all you guys because I heard some voices singing today. Man, it was mighty. It was powerful. Thank you in the Lord. Hebrews 12, verse 3. For consider Him, who? Christ. Who has endured. There's our word, isn't it? He endured such hostility by sinners against Himself. You consider Him. Why? So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And how many times do Christians, and I mean real Christians, just grow weary and they lose heart? They fall, they sit down, that's it. You don't hear any more from them. They believe in the Lord. Yeah, they pray. They might show up at church once in a while. They lost heart. What did they forget to consider? Jesus Christ. It's as simple as that, but it's profound. Because if you find somebody dropping out, it's always somebody else's blame. They didn't do this. They did this. They didn't... You know, most of the people that I have seen that drop out, and not only this church, but to other churches, it was all about them. They didn't get their needs met. And what does the text say? Remember Him. That's how you endure. Stick around. Remain. I like the word hupomeno. Don't you? Keep on. may not be your history to be able to do that. All down through your life, you might have dropped this and dropped that, but you keep remembering Christ. You stay up in that. That's what counts. Stay there. And that's the encouragement that Paul is doing to Timothy. That's what he's doing. That's what we do. We should be encouraging each other because there's days when we feel like dropping down and I'm right there. I've, you know, I feel really down. That's my feelings. And I know that and I go, oh, that's my feelings. But remember Jesus Christ. Remember Him. Now the word remember really means keep on remembering. Memnos. And it's in the tense of keep always in your memory. Always keep it forefront. The moment it goes back in the... Way behind your seat. Way behind you. Once it goes there, now things don't go the way that they're supposed to go. You don't ever lose sight. Keep focused. Timothy, in effect, your service will be much better. It'll be uh, more aggressive. It'll have much more courage. It'll have boldness. You endure. You suffer for Christ. You suffer with me for Christ. And you might even die for Christ. Remember who He is. Remember who He is. Don't lose sight of His preeminence. So we, we see, remember Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Notice the word order. You say, Dennis, 
we know it's Jesus Christ. But in Timothy here, as Paul writes it, you'll see it the other way around every other time. Christ Jesus. So, big deal. He just kind of got tired of the other way and just wanted to flip this one around again. Everything that God does is for a purpose. Even one word. Every jot and tittle is perfectly made there from this Creator and He's got a reason for it. And boy, when you start finding that, you get into that depth, you go, wow, (laughs) this God is really saying something. Okay, what's the deal? What's the deal, Dennis? Okay, what's going on? Look in chapter 1 of this same book. You don't have to turn back. And I want you to see how many times that He doesn't say Jesus Christ. He says Christ Jesus. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life in what? Christ Jesus. Verse 2. To Timothy, my beloved son, grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. So what's okay? That's enough. All right. Let's go to verse nine. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. Christ Jesus. Do you see Christ Jesus? Chapter two, verse one. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 3. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Chapter 2, verse 10. For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus. Man, Paul, what's going on here? Chapter 3, verse 12. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. By the way, we've heard that one before, haven't we? Uh, Verse 15. And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. I'm really doing this because this is Christ-centered, isn't it? (laughs) You see all the things that He does, though? Every one of these is with. Uh, chapter 4, verse 1. This is going to be the last one. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. What's the deal? Well, I think the word order here, as it's reversed from all those other verses, in this particular verse, it's dealing, he's emphasizing the humanity of our Lord. He wants Timothy to see that Christ was human. He knows that, but... Remember that. He was like us. He was like us. While He was God, He was still man. He's the God-man. The humanity that's there. He was born as the man Jesus. And that makes things a little more identifiable for all of us, doesn't it? When we, we can see Him as being a man too. You know, He, he, he suffered and He knew what uh, it was in his humanity. He suffered shame. God highly exalted him. You can think of the Philippians 2 chapter, can't you? Uh, I like Acts 2.36. You can turn there if you like. I'm going to just read it. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. We don't make him Lord and Christ. And, and that's the popular uh, decision theology of, of our day. I heard it all my life. Now, come on and make a decision to make Him Lord of your life. 
And I never see that in Scripture. God made Him Lord. Amen. He is Lord. And He is Christ. His humanity suffered shame. God highly exalted Him and made Him Lord, made Him King. And that gets us to our next one. It's King. Whenever He says Christ, when you see Jesus, you think of Yeshua, Savior, right? And then we see, and we'll get to that, uh, that in a moment, but uh, King. How about Christ, Messiah, Mashiach? King. He is King. He is Savior King. He's our Savior, but He's a King. Uh, he's a man, but yet he, He's God. He's a descendant of David, risen from the dead. Descendant of David. Let's get on that one too. Why does Paul use this unusual phrase that's found also in Romans chapter 1, verse 3? The descendant of David that's connected with the resurrection again. It's chapter, did I say chapter 3? And, uh, no. 1 3. 1 3, yeah, sorry. 1 3. Concerning his son, God's son, who was born of a descendant of David, according to the flesh, he was, he was born in, in the flesh. That's good. Sometimes you see flesh and you think of. Sarks, um, that that word meaning, uh, man, he's operating in the flesh now. You get that right? You <laughs> know, sinful. But in this sense, it's it's humanist. Uh, he's a descendant of David, and the word there is seed. Uh, descendant, dis, uh, the seed, also spermatos, and you might have caught that sperma. That's you know, he came directly from the line of David. In in, in his humanness, he came from that line. He was born in that line. Uh, that says something there. It also means that he will reign on David's throne. David was the great king, a picture of Christ. Uh, application here, I believe, is you go through suffering now as a Christian, you remember Jesus Christ, that he's the descendant of David. David was a man, but also David was a king. And so he affirms that, and he's coming back to reign as king. You remember Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the King of royalty, is going to come back. Now, would that be a motive to keep on in this walk? Would that be a motive? And you know what? When He comes back, we're going to be on His side when He returns. So, we see humanity and we, we think of royalty, we think of dominion, we think of sovereignty, we think of majesty, we think of His kingliness. Don't you think of that? And then, uh, uh, go back to the word Savior. You know, we said King and He's Savior. Turn to 1 Timothy 1.15. Savior. This really helps us in our daily walk. And this is a trustworthy statement. You can trust it. By the way, everything that, that's in Scripture, you can trust it. It's trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. What's that? That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I think we could all fill in the blank here. Me, of whom, or I, I am foremost of all. Paul said that. To save sinners. He came here to save sinners, the Savior, the King. And then when he says, risen from the dead, and in Romans 1.3 that we just read, it's dealing, really, proving his deity. Who else can come back from the dead? And we have too much 
manuscript evidence to deny the fact that some man who claimed to be God actually rose from the dead. That sounds like a superhero movie. This is all, you know, and then he's going to come back as a king and everything's going to be perfect. Doesn't that sound like the perfect story to have? It is the perfect story. It is what it's all about. And that's why I like people that, you know, that, you know we, we like those superhero movies. Because we as Christians can see it as, it's, this is Christ. This is really picturing Him. You know, even though those writers may or may not know it, people go to it and they flock to it. But you understand... I don't know. You have to check out Robert Downey. I, I got to do some researching on that. Ed brought up a really interesting point. I, I don't know. I'm, I'll leave it there. <laughs> but uh, he actually listened to some actually really good teaching. And he, what, what did he say about him? Uh, about that teacher? What did he, what did he say? He he loved him. He's a, he's a biblical teacher. I'm going. Wow. Really? What's going on here? Okay. Risen from the dead. The main support of the gospel. This is the heart of the gospel. This is what it's all about. If there's no resurrection, then we are fools. We need to get out of here and go out and have a good time. Whatever that is, <laughs> this is a good time. But it's all based on the fact that there is a resurrection. It's all about that. Right from the very point, and the gospel is preached all throughout through the book of Acts. The primary focus is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Risen from the dead. That's our hope. That's why we can be steadfast because we believe in that. And uh, there are over 20,000 manuscripts of the New Testament and that would be the thing that you continually see throughout that New Testament. And so that's why we can say this is firm. It has been, as far as we're concerned, proven to us because we understand it's the Word of God. So he's not saying, though, remember the resurrection... Yeah, we yeah we want to remember that. Don't forget about that. But he's saying, remember the one having been risen out of the dead. Out of the realm of the dead came one who rose. He's alive. That's the issue. And who could that be other than God? So when you look at the resurrection, it's God battering the very shackles of what death is. Just blown away. You see it as deity as he bursts out of the grave, don't you? I mean, that's, this is exciting. This, this is our Savior. This is our King. We're on His side. We win. Amen? Amen. It's His saving work, His salvation. So remember Jesus Christ who is now alive from the dead. To say, remember Him. That's what He says there. He's the God-man. He's the Savior King. He's the God-man. He's the Messiah, Christ. He's the King. He's the Son of God. He's the Son of Man. He is God. And then Paul says, according to my gospel, that last phrase there in verse 8, according to my gospel. You say, wow, did he have a little bit of a monopoly on it or something? It's his gospel? I thought it was God's gospel. God is the gospel, isn't he? God is the good news. John Piper wrote that book. I like that title. God is the gospel. That's right. What does he say? My gospel. Well, he was directly revealed by God, the very word of God. It was the gospel that was revealed to him. Of course, we could say it's my gospel too. You know, this monster. But he was directly revealed um, directly uh, to himself. It's a, it's a personal treasure. We've already seen that. We have a treasure which has been entrusted to us. So it's our gospel too. Paul's gospel. Um, Paul knew about the mercy of God. He knew about the good news. 
If you want to endure to the end, you think about this Gospel, folks. You think about the Gospel of Jesus Christ. We have no reason to be enjoying this day. We don't deserve anything. We deserve the worst. And when you start focusing on Christ, now it's not about you. I don't care about me. I am to decrease. He increases. If I can get down to where I just die, I should be dying daily. If I just die to myself, then I'm not worried about, well, this guy over here, he didn't treat me right. And... That's why I don't go there anymore. They said something, you know, that kind of stuff. And I'm saying, oh boy, that's focusing on your. Did you? Do you really focus on Christ? That's really what it's about. Yeah, there's sinners there. That's right. We're all sinners. <laughs> what are you? Oh, you're the perfect person. Well, there's no church for you. <laughs> We're all sinners. We 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 need this Savior, this God. So the point is, the path to glory it's Jesus Christ. It's not the prosperity gospel. Are you going to buy the prosperity gospel? Of course not. The gospel here says that, uh, hey, I want you to suffer with me, Timothy. He said, I'd rather not hear that. <laughs> uh, about his glory. He was hated before he was loved, Jesus was. He died before he was given a throne. He was a man, had to become like us, had to see this, experience the sin of man in this pit. Called earth, came a man before he has exalted the glories of God. Remember Jesus Christ. That's number one. Number two goes right along with it because it deals with the Word of God. The powerful Word of God is found in verses 9 and 10. The gospel, he says, for which I suffer hardship because I preach the gospel. That's, it's not because, hey, I'm getting older and I'm kind of ugly and I just, you know, I, I, they don't like my voice. That was some of the things, you know. Some people were blaming against him. Second uh, Corinthians talks about that. No, it wasn't for that. He said, "I suffer hardship, even to imprisonment as a as a criminal. They put me in prison, just like a criminal. The word of God is not imprisoned. That's what counts to Paul. <laughs> it's not about him. He said, "Well, yeah, but he's in jail. Doesn't matter. Uh, he got to the point where he died to self. I think." Or pretty well got there. He says, "I finished the faith. You know, or the, the the course. I, I you know, I've I've done this. You know, I've I've kept the faith. Imprisoned as a criminal. Imprisoned as a criminal. Word of God is not imprisoned. Word imprisoned there uh, or criminal um, deals with the two thieves on the cross. When Jesus was in the middle, two thieves." And those guys were considered criminals. It's found in Luke 23, I think. That's what Paul was considered by the Roman world. He was just like those thieves. That's what it means. It's, it's a shame. He was chained in a filthy dungeon full of the muck and mire, and I won't say other words. It's horrible. That's right, it's like a sewer. He was there all the time. And so the, 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 this is chains, like shackles. Onesiphorus was not ashamed of his chains, of his imprisonment. Others were ashamed of his chains, his imprisonment, and so they left. 
for the comforts of the world. He, he was in a stinking wretched pit in the ground at this place called Mamertine Prison in Rome. It's a place you would not ever want to imagine to have to stay in. The word criminal is katergas, and it's dealing with the shame of it all. The shame. The language there in the Greek, technically it's, it's for burger, uh, burglars, it's for robbers, it's for thieves, it's for traitors, it's for murderers, malefactors. And it means a tremendous amount of shame. That's where Paul is at, who wrote this great letter, who wrote all these epistles. That's where he's at. And you know what he says? He could have gone ranting and raving about that and man, he would have had to write, right? Humanly. No, he says, here's what counts. The Word of God is not in prison. It's still getting out. Zach had that uh, scripture up. Uh, or not scripture, it was a quote dealing with, with scripture. Um, Martin Luther. Martin Luther wrote a hymn called A Mighty Fortress of Our God. There's a line that goes this. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also, the body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yes. Hallelujah about that, right? His truth abideth still. That's what we have to shout about this morning. That's how we can say praise God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The Gospel should be shining through our lives enjoying Him no matter what the circumstance. That's what Paul is saying. Terrible circumstances he was in. It was the worst and he was getting ready to die in a horrible way. The Gospel you have can transform others. And of course, you know, we were kind of witnessing that this morning as we were going through the chain and going through the family and thinking how God touched so many lives in that one chain and who knows how long it'll go. It reversed it. Because that family before that, as far as I know, there wasn't it really, there was maybe maybe something there, but we don't know. And Penny's shaking her head and no, there was none. Isn't that a miracle? It transforms people. Remember the power of God's Word. In the catacombs in Rome, in the early church days, they had inscriptions on the walls. One of them, this is my favorite, says, The Word of God is not bound. Wow. Is that good? The Word of God is not bound. You can kill us. Us martyrs. We'll be martyrs then. But you can't kill the truth of God. It always is going to live forever. John Bunyan, put in prison, preached the Word of God, did it faithfully, preached out in the woods, got arrested, thrown in jail. Of course, we know the Pilgrim's Progress. But every like Sunday, he would go up to the, the bars uh, that you could see outside and such and there's a wall and he'd be in there and there would be loads of people outside hearing him <laughs> preach the gospel did you know that you can't kill the word of God well that's number two remember Jesus Christ and also remember the powerful word of God 
because number three, this is what the Word of God does, and this is about the Gospel and what it does and what we're to do with it. I love this. For this reason, I endure. I just keep on going on. I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen. Eclectos. Elect. For the sake of the elect, this is why I'm doing This is why I'm going way out there in Philippi. This is why I'm getting tracked down by thieves and robbers, animals. This is why I get dumped out uh, into the sea and, and out in the deep for a couple of days and nights. This is why. Because there are people who are elect and they're not saved yet. <laughs> Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers on election, said... Uh, yeah, the only thing is, is we, you know, if we could, if we could find out who they were, that's the people we go to and preach that. But he says that we cannot peel back their flesh and see the e there on their stomach. <laughs> endure all things. I endure it for the chosen, the sake of the elect. I want to reach the elect. Did he do it? Yeah. Why do you want to reach the chosen? Because God tells me to do it. Because He's already elected people, but they have to obtain it. So what does God use? How does this work together? How does prayer and the sovereignty of God go together? How does evangelism and the sovereignty of God go together? And you think on that too much and you'll be underneath the beds reciting the Greek alphabet. Yeah. Uh, it's God. It, 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 it's true. He uses human beings to call them to the everlasting kingdom. He uses people like us. I thought He just did that with people like Paul, not me. Who? Who, me? <laughs> me? Are you sure? <laughs> me? God has chosen people to be saved and we have a privilege to take it to those people. A holy privilege. The instrument of the Word of God. People get nervous whenever they hear that word elect. And you know what? It is in Scripture many times. Uh, We cannot explain it away. Uh, Cover it up. It's a key truth of understanding salvation. It's a key truth of enduring hardship for the sake of the Gospel. So we, we don't dodge it. Is it taught in the Bible? Absolutely. Well, probably by Paul. I think he's the only one. No. Matter of fact, how was Paul saved? Was he looking to be saved? He was on that road. He was. Matter of fact, he was knocked down blind. Right? He was looking to kill Christians. He was on the opposite side. Jesus taught election. If you turn to John 3, verse 27. Everybody likes John 3.16. Great verse. Because Jesus said it. Look in verse 27 of chapter 3. Which have this uh, John the Baptist here answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given him from heaven. Now, usually don't go to that verse for this particular doctrine, but I find that fascinating. We have nothing unless it comes from God. Well, that's easy to start with. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, and uh, let's see how that fleshes out a little bit more in the epistles. Jesus said that, by the way. In 1 Corinthians 2, what a precious chapter. 
Talking about the Word of God, verse 10, For to us God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man... We once were natural people, natural men. Does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. Will not accept the Spirit. Will not accept Christ. The natural man is dead. Ephesians 2 verse 1. He will not accept. Come up and walk up the aisle and accept Jesus. Make Him Lord of your life. I heard that every Sunday morning for years and years and years. And that was my decision theology. And he says, a natural man cannot do that. You don't. He accepts us in the beloved. Ephesians chapter 1 says, a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. That's absolute foolishness. We can't wake up people. Only He can. For He cannot understand them because they're spiritually appraised. But He is spiritual. Christian appraises all things. Yet He Himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that He will instruct Him. But we have the mind of Christ. That's why we can understand the deep things of God. So let's go back to what Jesus said and look in John 6.37. I love to just breeze over these. Verse 37, All that the Father gives me, all of them, will come to me. The one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. All of His will come to Him. He promises. The Father gives it to Him. The one who comes, will not cast out. Why do they come? Because the Father draws them. That's why we look um, at verse 44. No one can come to Me unless the Father who sent Me draws Him. And I'll raise Him up on the last day. Verse 65. People started leaving whenever Jesus talked about Him being the bread of life. For this reason I have said to you that no one can come to Me unless it has been granted Him from the Father. It comes from the Father. The only reason they can come there. You look at John 10, verse 26 through 28. This is the gospel according to Jesus. Is it not? This is straight from Jesus. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. Why are not? Why aren't you believing? You're not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. I know them intimately. I really know them, and they follow me. My sheep will follow me. The other ones don't know me. They won't follow me. And I give eternal life to them and they will never perish. No one snatch them out of my hand. By the way, there you have, my Father has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I am the Father of one. You have the Father's hand, you have Jesus' hand. Double protection. Look, <laughs> goes like that. That is the doctrine of Perseverance. Half, at least half of so-called Christians don't believe that. They believe you can lose your salvation because it's based on a man-centered gospel. You come and make a decision and then you have the decision to go and leave Him. If that be the case, I would have been gone. John 17, verse 2.
fulfill the gospel according to Jesus. Verse 2, Even as you gave Him authority over all flesh, Father gives authority to Christ, that to all whom you have given Him, all you have given Him, He may give eternal life. All the ones that are given from the Father to the Son have eternal life. John 17, verse 9. This is the great prayer. This is the, the prayer before Jesus crucified. I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours. I'm asking on their behalf. I don't ask on behalf of the world. I'm not, I'm not talking about the rest of the world. I'm talking about the ones you have given me. That's the ones who I'm praying for. That's the ones who are real. That's the ones who are elect. The ones you gave me. The ones you draw to me, I will keep. Wow. Ephesians 1, 4 and 5. Aren't these exciting verses? Just as He chose us in Him, when? Before the foundation of the before you could even open up your mouth and say yes, you were already chosen. You can say, Yeah, but I could choose not to have him. Yeah, but he chose you, and that trumps that, doesn't it? <laughs> and you know what he's going to do with you? That you would be holy, set apart, and blameless. Verse five. Before in love, he predestined us to adoption. We're adopted into the family. He adopts us through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of my will, my free will, to the kind intention of His will. Well, why? To the praise of the that yeah, but I can at least take a little bit of credit, a one percent credit, because I accepted Him. To the praise of the glory of His. Grace, which He, by His free will, freely bestowed on us in the Beloved, or accepted us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood. There's the payment, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His kind intention, which He purposed in Him. You can go on and on, can't we? That's heavy. Acts 13.48 This is why we should be motivated. When the Gentiles heard the Gospel, heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the Word of the Lord and as many as had been appointed before the foundation of the world to eternal life, what happened? They believed. They heard the Word of God. They had been appointed to eternal life before the foundation of the world, as is stated in Revelation, as is stated in our Second uh, Timothy chapter one verse nine, and also in Ephesians that we just read in chapter one before the foundation of the world. And then they believed. They had been appointed. They heard the word of God. They believed. Father drew them by the word. They were given to Jesus. They got eternal life. They responded. Then they said yes. You can say yes 
But it's not because you're smarter than the other guy. It's not because you're just a little bit cooler and you know you you're you're better. It's not because you're better than another person. It's because God chose you. Why? There wasn't any reason on my part. I can't take any credit. Well, I believed, but He gave me the belief. It's granted. He gave me repentance. It's granted. There's a text on that. Second Corinthians four four. I got I got to stop. Oh my! We could go on. I love this. He's talking about the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. So they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Have you seen the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ today? Yes. If you're a Christian, you're reading the Word. You absolutely do. You remember Jesus Christ, don't you? You remember that, that He died for our sins and that He resurrected. You remember all those things. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus is Lord and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Mashiach, Christ the King. The glory of the King, it's beaming. And He allows us to look into the Holy of Holies. I wished I had that, the, the, the temple teaching. That that it had and 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 graphically drawn out right now and, and uh, that's that's enlightening, but that's what we want to be. We want to be in the holy of holies. We want to be in the presence of God, don't we? Don't we want to be there? You know what, boy, oh boy, it's going to have to be continued. Uh, man, I was really trying to get this in. Did you hear how fast I was talking? <laughs> to super sheep. <laughs> Sheeples. Yeah, um, I'm afraid I'm going to have to drop off there at the end of verse 10, which is in Christ Jesus and with it eternal glory. Uh, what a note to drop on, right? Eternal glory. There's a trustworthy statement and I can't um, make that. It really fits with this, but I can't make it fit today. But other than God's promises are trustworthy. And here's a trustworthy statement. So we'll continue on with that next week for those who have died with Him and live with Him and also the ones who... Uh, and dealing with the evidence of genuine faith and then the ones who deny Him and are faithless. And um, there's quite the, quite the depth there that um, Paul gave in, in Timothy. Um, we'll continue on with our Lord's Supper here and uh, we will do a song about the Lamb and uh, then we will take another offering for the Presbuteros uh, ministry. And um, so why don't we um, get ready to sing?